Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sing to the Lord, the podcast that breaks down how the Lutheran hymnody is preaching the gospel. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. What you're hearing is the hymn, Now We Join in Celebration. Welcome back to Sing to the Lord. This Monday, Thursday, we have Lars Olson and Zachary Brockoff with us today. Thanks for being here, guys. Yeah, love to talk about Monday, Thursday. Oh, yeah. It's all of Holy Week. Best time of the week. It's a thrill. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, this Monday, Thursday, we are talking about the hymn, Now We Join in Celebration, which is an interesting choice, um, considering that we're talking about Jesus' betrayal um, uh, with the gospel text in Matthew chapter 26. Uh, can you talk, tell us about this new hymn, Zachary? Sure. First thing um, we, I, I should say is um, today we're dealing with a hymn that's specifically talking about um, the institution of Lord's Supper. Um, if you're using the Revised Common Lectionary and you see their uh, foot washing or a new commandment to love one another, um, we'll I'll, I'll list some other hymns that deal more with that if that's where we're leaning uh, in certain congregations. But for now, we're going to consider this in light of the sacrament and the Lord's Supper. So, um, yes, this is a new hymn, and um, or relatively new compared to uh, All Glory, Laud, and Honor, which we looked at for Palm Sunday, certainly. Um, it first appeared in hymnals in 1972 in a hymn uh, called Contemporary Worship 4. So I assume there was a one, two, and three. This was the fourth in the series of contemporary hymns for baptism and communion. Um, And uh, finally, it makes its way into ELW from there. Um, The author and poet um, was actually born in China. Uh, His parents were missionaries in China, and so he he grew up there at least for a time, but then came back to the United States and studied um, in various Lutheran universities and seminaries finally serving as the director of the library at the Lutheran School of Theology in Chicago, and uh, later was the archivist for the Lutheran Church in America, and then uh, turns around and writes this hymn text for communion. So um, we actually um, have uh, know something about this person, and uh, he had quite a little history there. Um, it, I, I guess, you know, the, the Holy Communion section of the hymnal, any hymnal, honestly, no matter which one you use, is quite large. And uh, we could mm, almost just open up and sing something uh, from that, uh, you might think. But um, I specifically wanted to look at this one because it's when you, when you look at the other hymns in the communion section, uh, many of them are going to talk about the sacrament um, not in the context of Jesus Christ, <laughs> but in the context of unity, something around which God brings uh, unity. And whether you're on the, um, I don't know, Missouri Synod side of this, where uh, we do this because we all believe the same thing, we know we all believe the same thing, and so we're all going to come to communion, and unless you believe the same thing, you can't show up. Uh, or you take maybe the um, uh, mysterious form of unity that uh, some Lutherans may may think about this, <laughs> that God forms us mystically into this body of Christ. Um, 
The hymn's a little more specific about what's going on here and finally has something to say about Jesus, which ironically, the other two don't necessarily. Uh, God's mysterious in one case, and really it's about what we believe, not what God's actually doing. Uh, so, so that's why this one out of some others might be chosen. And so I'd say um, when, you, when you make some decisions about Maundy Thursday and the sacrament, take a look. Um, there's one hymn in the hymnal that says literally in this blessed sacrament of unity. That's what it says it is. So we want to avoid that, if possible, and actually say something about Jesus. Well, uh, like you're getting at, there's a reason that they want uh, that we talk about unity, uh, and this term just even holy communion becomes right. uh, all sure. about this unity. Um, but I'm I'm fine with unity as long as it's uh, um, we are unified, as Mason said at the beginning, as betrayers of Christ. Uh, <laughs> right. Especially on Maundy Thursday, um, let's not make the mistake of thinking that um, we're talking about some sort of a mystical union when uh, he's saying, you are going to betray me, deny me, abandon me. I'm going to die for you. And they all say, no, uh, that's isn't how it's going to work. And he says, no, I'm giving you this promise ahead of time. So um, uh, there is a, I think a, there is a way to talk about unity, but it's definitely not in this kind of mystical, we don't know how it's going to happen. No, it's Jesus is finding his sinners, giving them the promise, his testament that uh, they, they will uh, receive the kingdom when he dies. Yes. I, well, I think the, um, the picture, if you like pictures, some people like pictures um, of, of unity, uh, you know, tell me what it looks like, don't, don't explain it to me kind of people. If right. you're Can one of those, hands? right, <laughs> uh, the, the picture might be uh, truly that, and, and we trust this, that, that um, God's word does what it says. And so yes. if, if the promise is given, right, um, uh, this is what we hold on to. And so... Yes, there is there is certainly unity in this that throughout uh, uh, all of time uh, and until the end of this this world, <laughs> people uh, there's for me a long line of people that have taken this sacrament and have this promise that really never ends. And God says, "I give this freely to you." I like that unity right uh, mm -hmm. much more than. Um, uh, uh, thinking that that from the beginning to end of time, all Christians have somehow confessed the exact same thing. Um, yes. Because, um, I mean, I haven't dealt with, had so many in-depth conversations uh, with folks as Lars, you you would have, um, but the few times somebody has come and said, I'm, I'm wrestling with this, I believe this, you know, that Christ is here, but hardly, right? This is difficult even, yeah. but I come uh, to this um, tr trusting in some way that God is able to do what he says, even though I can't fully wrap my mind around this, um, versus the idea that, no, we're all certain, certain about this every time we come uh, is... Well, we're, usually the problem becomes that we're certain uh, that because we are uh, so loving, we are unified sure. now, that we are showing, we are having a visible symbol of how we, we are coming together to either hold hands or sing nice songs, rather than what this is getting at is we're joining in the celebration that Christ's promise is true for us. Yeah. Um, and that's where the, even the term Holy Communion really gets us off on the wrong foot rather than this is the Lord's Supper because he's doing something at there. It's at our Lord's invitation that he comes to say, I'm going to forgive your sin. Sure. So uh, I should jump into the hymn. Sorry, I'm going off on tangents <laughs> here, but but into the hymn now. It uh, The first stanza, um, 
when I read this, the first thing that jumped out to me, uh, and as I sang through it, at our Savior's invitation. So we like to think that it's our job to invite people. Uh, if you would just get out there and invite people, we'd all be, uh, you'd have the multitudes in church, uh, um, invite them, come and see, however, however this works out throughout the year. Um, this is Christ, uh, Christ who says, um, are you a sinner? <laughs> I choose you. I choose you. Come, come on, and um, I, I actually have something to give you. And so when when Christ comes, it says we're no longer dressed in uh, in a somber spirit, but clothed in joy and wonder. And then the hymn tells us why, because Christ comes um, not just uh, to feed us with bread and wine, but with His very life mm-hmm. to give us forgiveness and new life. And um, that's pretty clear. And, and it starts to, I think the first stanza wonderfully chips away at what we think we're doing and tells us, <laughs> no, God's actually busy doing something here. Yeah, and actually, I think it chips away at the false celebration that we all would yeah. ascribe to, like assent to, rather than pointing out, no, you're being pulled into uh, the life of Christ by, by this word rather than by your own uh, happy clappiness. Uh, sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Second stanza for me. Um, again, uh, takes this a step further. Um, the, the phrase uh, that we're, our hearts are filled with holy rapture, well, this can seem almost uh, Baptist of, of our good <laughs> Lutheran uh, writing this, um, but he tells us what this is, um, that in this bread and cup, uh, we actually have Christ's death <laughs> and victory over death. Um, in this sacrament, God comes and gives us uh, death and resurrection, promise, um, and uh, and and this is um, until finally uh, we are gathered with Christians of every time and place around the cross or, or around the heavenly throne, the foretaste here of heavenly gladness. We sing about the foretaste of the feast to come. This <laughs> this is that feast um, right now. So. Again, I, I like that it says something actually about the Lord's Supper. <laughs> well, and I think it can even go to to redeem the word rapture for us rather than the mm-hmm. rapture theology of escaping from the world into some sort of imaginary bliss. Um, rather, that what comes into your heart is rapture, which is the which is then the presence of God, the true presence. Which, um, you know, as Lutherans, we're going to say this is uh, that's what our teaching on the Lord's Supper is that Christ is truly present uh, in his body and in his word in this sacrament. Uh, And that when that word comes to us, when you eat that bread and drink that wine, that blood and body of Christ is uh, the true presence that is letting you celebrate in the midst of your sin, that your sin has been taken away from you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the nice thing about this hymn, it packs a lot in three stanzas. You know, some of these you have to sing six, seven stanzas to, to get a narrative or something. Uh, this really goes after the sacrament pretty quickly. So that third uh, stanza seems to say something about unity, one family of God's children. Well, that can be uh, understood, I suppose, in some unhelpful ways. But one one family, uh, I don't know about everybody's family, but mine, there's plenty of bickering and plenty of <laughs> things that we don't agree about. And yet Christ says, uh, I claim you as mine here, um, all of you. And, uh, and we're one family because Christ reconciles uh, us, uh, because of the reconciliation our Lord actually brings here. Um, 
And so it tells us then uh, what, what love actually looks like, <laughs> that grace and mercy are extended to all people. The hymn says both friend and stranger. Um, whether you know the person, uh, you know, we're obsessed with this in congregations too, that we're building community and knowing each other. The hymn f- simply says serving all people, both friend and stranger, <laughs> that God's doing this. And, and the community then is not built through our efforts, but because God actually calls somebody uh, by a promise and says, uh, now you are mine. So uh, that's, that's uh, all three stanzas, I think, uh, finally get at this in a helpful way. And it takes a little bit of, I think, explanation, but it's a, it's a wonderful text to sing um, around the time of, of talking about uh, the sacrament. Excellent. Do we have any other hymn suggestions for Maundy Thursday? Sure. We want a few more that um, say something about uh, the, about the uh, the institution of the Lord's Supper. So um, ELW four sixty eight around you, O Lord Jesus, um, actually quotes the the words of institution um, <laughs> and tells you what's going on there. Take eat, this is my body. Take drink, this is my blood. Um, that seems seems to me would function well um, around sermon time before communion. You could certainly sing it as the sacraments received, but um, after hearing something more about what this is, to repeat that isn't a bad idea. Uh, another option might be um, ELW 476, Thee We Adore, O Savior. Um, I really don't like the translation in ELW. I'd sing the translation out of LBW if I had a choice. It's an old um, plain song chant, um, so it might be um, a little bit unknown to, to Lutherans, um, but it's one that's been present in, in many, many hymnals. Uh, it's a wonderful text because it'll, it'll speak first about God hidden, a hidden God, and then says, who in thy sacrament you are pleased to be. <laughs> this is where God's revealed. Um, we're out looking for God, and we know God is, among other places, in this sacrament. It actually gives us a place. It's actually where he's promised <laughs> where to be. He's promised and he's pleased to be, to be there. Pleased so. to be there. Yeah. Um, finally, and, and it's not that I don't have an imagination, but there there happens to be a second uh, communion hymn text to the same tune uh, that now we join in celebration. It's ELW 488, Soul Adorn Yourself with Gladness, um, for which this tune was uh, originally written. And um, the best line in that whole hymn, I mean, you can read the whole thing for yourself, is Christ, though heavenly, high, and holy, deigns to dwell with you most lowly. <laughs> this is God in all of his splendor coming in the most uh, lowly way it would appear, and yet there is all that God has for you in bread and wine. So uh, I think all of those are excellent suggestions, and there's plenty more. Uh, so um, have fun. <laughs>
Thanks for joining us this week on Sing to the Lord. Check the show notes for Zachary's stanza-by-stanza commentary, as well as a list of other hymns we recommend. See you next week.